Grace is risen. Not bad, not bad. Do it again. Christ is risen. Christ is risen Amen. Thank you for that. <clears throat> well, I've been really blessed so far. It's good to be here, and I certainly welcome our visitors. It's good to have you here. Uh, that's the focus. That's the theme that should be in the top of our minds this morning as we gather in God's house with one another. <clears throat> to focus and to, again, renew in our minds, establish in our minds, convince in our minds that Christ truly is risen. I want to invite you for a few verses in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. We're going to look at some of these accounts where Jesus did appear to various individuals in Scripture after his resurrection. Acts chapter 1 Verse 1, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now this all happened, as it says here in... Forty days from the time of his resurrection until he ascended. And we'll get into that a little bit later. <clears throat> but Christ did appear to many people. And we have, as it says here, many infallible proofs. Jesus was the first fruits of them which slept. Which meant that we too can look forward to being raised to a new life and a new body. I found about 13 appearances that Jesus made to various people after his resurrection. I'm going to look at some of these. And also remember that Jesus only appeared to those who were looking for him. He didn't show up at Pilate's house and say, told you I'd be back. Herod never saw him after the resurrection. And there's no record of him appearing to any of the scribes and Pharisees who wanted him to die. And you know the same holds true today. Jesus is only found by those who are searching for him. If you truly search for him, you will find him. But let's turn to John 20 for the first uh, one of these accounts, one of these many infallible proofs. John 20, and it's interesting, we have four different gospel writers writing about this, and they all covered in some way various aspects of it. Some focus more heavily on one aspect. Luke, having been a doctor, I think he's the only one who mentions the sweat drops of blood. A doctor certainly would take notice of that. A doctor would notice that. Very unusual. I don't think that ever happened to me. Sweated a lot, but I don't know if I ever bled as I sweated. A sign of intense anguish, agony. And we'll see some more. But here we have... John 20, verses 1 through 8. Peter and John 
coming to the tomb. Let's read this. John 20, verse 1. First day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. They ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then come a Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. <clears throat> and that's as far as we'll read right now. But I want you to notice um, in these couple of verses, verse 5, 6, and 8, there's three different times the, the word saw or a different word for see or saw. Verse 5, it says, he saw the linen clothes lying. And there's three different meanings of this word. The first one just means to see or to turn toward. You just notice, just a casual observation. He saw the linen clothes lying. Verse 6, we have there where he, at the end, and seeth the linen yeah, and seeth the linen clothes lie. That, a different meaning of that word, it would mean to look carefully to observe or to consider. And then in verse 8, there toward the end, it says, and he saw and believed. Three different meanings that we have of that same word. That last one would mean to perceive with intelligent comprehension. It says he saw and believed or to experience, to pay attention. You know, it's one thing to see something, but it's quite another to experience it. I'm not sure if I can give you an off-the-top-of-my-head example, but I think you all know what I mean. To see is different than experiencing. Experiencing is a whole lot deeper. Your whole mind is involved in this. And this is the progression of more comprehension, I guess, or understanding that we see here of these two disciples, Peter and John. And uh, so this is, this is the account of them. And then notice there at the end of verse 10, uh, they went home. And I, I don't quite understand why they just went home, but I think... I should have backed up a little bit. You know, they were so confused. Right up until now, and even a little bit later, we'll see, they were thinking and hoping and planning for an earthly kingdom where Jesus would be the king and maybe John would be here and Peter would be here. However, they had it worked out. They had it, well, they didn't have it figured out, but they were dreaming of that. And that didn't happen. Now, their Messiah, their leader, their king was dead, or so they thought. But 
His body was missing. It was gone. Let's move on to the next couple of verses, same chapter in, in verses 11 to 18. And we'll see the scene of Mary Magdalene, um, who was the first one to see Jesus after he was risen from the dead. Matthew 20, verse 11. But Mary stood without sepulcher, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. But when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turns herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend to my father, and your father, and to my God, and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told her disciples, she had seen the Lord, and they had spoken these things unto her. As I said, Peter and John went home, and apparently they weren't too far from the tomb, but Mary really wanted to know where they had laid him. See, she, had, <clears throat> she was uh, the first to see Jesus after the resurrection, and she was also one to whom she was most grateful for. He had uh, delivered her from seven demons some time ago. You'll see that in Luke chapter 8 verse 2. And from that time forward she was very much um, attending to his needs, ministered to him in any way she could. So here we have the third day, Sunday morning after the, after the Passover, which would have been Friday, and then she went back to embalm him more permanently. Apparently it was just kind of a sort of a hasty temporary job that he did uh, would have been Friday evening. She and the other women were there to do this last rite. I can't imagine what that would have looked like. Can you imagine? Notice the, the devotion, the love that they had for him. This must have been a quite a grisly job to do. And I don't know why it was the women's job. How do they carry this big, heavy body around? I don't know how she expected. She said, tell me where he is and I'll take him away. I don't know how she expected to do that. I really don't. But you can see the, uh, the level of love and devotion that they had for Jesus. But that's what they were there to do, to properly embalm him and prepare him for, <clears throat> for burial. In spite of that, they didn't do too bad a job when you notice uh, the, what it, the, described, the description of the clothes that are given here. They did have whatever um, wrappings that they used for the body and a certain napkin for the head. They, they knew what that all meant. So apparently it wasn't just a blanket thrown over him. It was something a lot more than that. But they got to the tomb for this purpose, and sure enough, he was gone. 
and really, they really did need to find you. Remember, they had guard, or, or the, the, the pilot had ordered guards to guard the tomb so this wouldn't happen, to prevent this very thing from happening. And they did. They had bribed them to tell a lie about it and uh, paid them well to guard the tomb, and it didn't work. They couldn't keep him in. They didn't keep him in. And so here's Mary, the first person to notice or to come to his tomb and find it empty. Now, interestingly enough, I think, too, it's significant that God chose a woman for that. Women and slaves' testimonies were not very well respected or highly regarded, like in a court of law. They didn't give that much credibility. And so... I think it's interesting and significant that God chose a woman to be the first person to see Jesus after he rose from the dead. Another one I want to look at is two on the road to Emmaus. And we'll turn to Luke chapter 24 for this. This is the same day. This is the resurrection day. Later on in that day, we have this scene right here. Uh, and this is right after, this is Luke's account of the resurrection. And then this scene happened that same day, a little bit later on, toward evening. Verse 13, Luke 24. And behold, two of them, this is speaking of disciples, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together, reason Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering, said unto them, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass? there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to them, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which had had to redeem Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came and saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found that even so, as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, and all prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and be entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for he is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at me with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said unto one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened us 
the scriptures. And that's as far as I'll read. So you see this interesting conversation that they would have had. Now, that distance, from what I gather, is about seven or eight miles. Uh, you can imagine, you could have a lot of conversation. How long would that take? Three miles an hour, maybe? Two hours? That's from my house to Penyan. Seven miles. That's a long walk. And they would have had a lot of time, Jesus would have had a lot of time to open the scripture and explain to them. And as they were walking, of course, you notice here again, we see what, what, what they were, again, looking for. They were sad because they thought that Jesus would be their Messiah, their king. And I noticed, too, there in verse 20, and how, how the chief priests and our rulers, they identified with the rulers and the chief priests. It was their people that did this to Jesus. So yes, they were sad. It was, you might say, the end of a dream. The end of a plan, if you will. And so as they were walking, these two, again, these two disciples were likely very confused and discouraged because this didn't happen. And somehow Jesus joined them I don't know how he maybe snuck up behind them. They weren't thinking or seeing or noticing, and all of a sudden he was there with them and innocently asked what their conversation was about and so forth. And he took the opportunity to explain the prophets and the scriptures to them. And by the time they got there, I'm sure they, they had a pretty good understanding of all that. And notice again that he, they didn't recognize him in his glorified body, in his resurrected body, until such a time that he blessed the food and just like that, he vanished out of their sight. Two, on the, on the road to Emmaus. And um, certainly, um, again, Jesus made his appearance God revealed or opened their eyes and uh, revealed his identity to them, and they witnessed him. Another one of these many infallible proofs. And then, of course, the next couple of verses talk about how they turned around and went back to Jerusalem. I don't know how far they were. It must have been pitch dark till they got there, because it was almost dark when they got to Emmaus, and found some other disciples and shared with them, and again, shared that joy with others. Let's go now to John chapter 21. We're going to see the time when seven of the disciples on, on the shores of Galilee, Jesus <clears throat> appeared to them. And again, notice in this case also, they did not recognize him at first. John 21, read verses 1 through 14. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon, Simon Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They said unto him, No. 
But he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat about him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, as it were, two hundred cubits, dragging the net of fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to land, full of great fishes, 153, for all there was so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples thirst ask him, Who art thou, Lord? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, giveth them, and fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the, from the dead. So again, we have Jesus seemingly appearing on the scene and them not recognizing him <clears throat> and somehow started a fire and got ready to, to grill the fish that they had got. And uh, so interestingly too that I don't know how wide their ship was, but from one side of the boat to the other, really, just like that, uh, apparently that's what happened. So as they followed his orders, they really did have a miraculous catch. So big that typically, I gather from the wording here, that the net typically would have broken, but in this case, it didn't. And Jesus blessed them again with that. Again, revealed himself in his own time, even though at first they didn't recognize him, it doesn't tell us why. Maybe at this, maybe there was like in some here sometimes, a little fog on the lake and you can't see very well. Things are kind of hazy. Doesn't tell us, I'm not sure. But they did um, see him again. And it says here, this is the third time that he showed himself to his disciples. And in scripture, it seems the number three is usually used as a uh, sure, can't doubt type of a confirmation. Three times is, is typically, um, you'll see that pattern in scripture. Somehow three times is just irrefutable evidence. And I think it's interesting to note that, that John uh, mentions that here. This is the third time that his uh, disciples saw him after he was risen from the dead. And then let's go to the Great Commission. This is a little bit, a bit of a different scene from Matthew 28. This is a, um, this was not an unexpected appearance, but this is sort of a uh, planned or a prearranged meeting and a very important one. Uh, Jesus made reference to this meeting several times previously. Uh, he would have spoke about this in the, at the Last Supper in Matthew 26, 32. But uh, we see them on a mountain and very obvious, very, very, uh, the, it seems like likely that they would have had a pretty good view, uh, maybe seen for miles. I don't know how far they could see and if they could see to the next uh, country or town, but they had a good view from where they were. And Jesus is on this mountain overlooking this vast countryside and 
commissioning them to go out. Right now they were pretty much focused in Jerusalem and hadn't gone, other than the few villages around that, hadn't gone too far. Let's read um, Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Notice Jesus mentions that in verse 18, all power is given unto me. And then he says, go ye, implying that that power is also theirs. Jesus had uh, given them the power, well, we'll see that a little bit later, uh, the same power that he had, the same power that raised him from the dead to them. And let's move right on into Acts chapter 1 to see exactly when and how that happened. We have the, uh, the scene here of his ascension. This would have been now the 40th day after the resurrection. And they were again gathered together here. And I'm not quite sure um, if this was, if, 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 if Jesus called them to this meeting, they just happened to be together. But we have here in, in, in Acts chapter 1 the scene of his, or his ascension. Let's read from verse 6 to uh, the end of verse 12. When they therefore were come together, they asked unto him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Aren't these guys ever going to get it? We just talked about that this morning. It was again at the road to Emmaus. They thought that, well, here we are 40 days later, and they still haven't given up that dream. Thinking that now is the time. Now, Lord, how about now? They just couldn't seem to get that out of their minds. Anyways, verse 7. But he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. But when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up on a cloud, received him out of their sight. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, <clears throat> which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? For this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So we see here, they had still wanted, hoped, and dreamed of Jesus being their earthly king, their Messiah, deliver them from Rome, they'd be on their own, no longer have to answer to Rome. And this really was the final blow to that dream. Apparently he just disappeared in a cloud, and that was the end. That was the end of his earthly ministry. 
But he promised them, you will receive the power of the Holy Ghost to be a witness of me. And notice, <clears throat> he uses there in verse, verse 8, all of the, the uh, different cities and towns. Jerusalem was their hometown. Judea was the, uh, a, little, a little bit further from there. And Samaria was even beyond that and to the uttermost part of the earth. And that's, um, I'm not sure what they had in mind. I don't know what their comprehension was of the known world at the time. But we see that in, uh, well, Paul's ministry especially, he did travel quite far and wide in, in his ministry, in his preaching of gospel. Traveled by ship many times and uh, covered some, covered a lot of uh, territory in that. But we have here the, the ascension. They were hoping that maybe now he would be their Messiah, be their king. But he left and promised a return in like manner. And you know, that's a promise for us today too. We're included in that. In like manner, we too can look forward to his coming. And then one more in 1 Corinthians 15. And this is an especially interesting one when you notice this was a large crowd of people that witnessed him all at once. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. <clears throat> and this is Paul writing, For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which, which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, <clears throat> and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto the present, but some are fallen asleep. And I think this is, this is an interesting account right here because up until then, there was just a few people. I think other than this, we have the apostles, all 11 at that time, 11 of them. Uh, doesn't give record or doesn't mention of a crowd greater than that except for here. Here's 500 people. I'm guessing there's 100 here times 5. That's a lot of witnesses. That's a lot of people. If 500 people witness an event, there's, it's hard to talk that one down. It's hard to deny that. But here we have, um, well, not here, but Paul is, is relating an account where there was 500 people at once would have seen Jesus after his resurrection. And so I'm hoping and praying that as uh, we certainly have established in our minds that Jesus was raised from the dead, Jesus certainly is in heaven now interceding for us and has given us that power that he promised the disciples to us as well, which he has. And it's, it's my prayer that we can go forth in that power and continue to be a witness in, in our little town in Jerusalem, if you will, Judea, wherever that may be, Samaria, beyond that, and cross an ocean if you need to, wherever, wherever God takes you. God bless you for that. Um, let's stand for a dismissal prayer, and then I'll ask Ken to lead us in a closing song.